Well, I don't think the world needs someone else preaching to them, telling them what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat. And I don't see that as my role. I see my role as just open your eyes. Just take your power back as a consumer. That's Heather McGuire, integrated nutritional health coach, sommelier and more. Heather spent 20 plus years in the advertising space in New York City. So she understands how products are sold. She's passionate about food, wine and health and is also qualified in culinary medicine, which explores the links between what we eat and how we feel. She is on a mission to bring awareness, prevention and some much needed common sense back to the table and to our lives. I think you'll love this episode of Your Truth Shared, because as she says herself, she does health, she doesn't do guilt. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell, because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth share. I thought it was time we started a conversation about food. We're covering lots of bases around choice and change of direction and stuff like that. But really, I think it was time to talk about food. And there was no one better for me to have a conversation with than the wonderful Heather Maguire, who comes from a very interesting background, which is 20 plus years in the US, in New York City, in fact, talking about advertising. And as you can imagine, all the things that go along with that and how stories are told about food and other products. And then she changed direction and she moved into this area of nutritional health coaching. She's done She's done Ballymaloo cooking, she's done culinary medicine, and she's a sommelier. So, God, we've got a great one on our hands here. Welcome, Heather. Oh, my God, I sound amazing. <laughs> but you are. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, I'm exhausted even thinking about it. Um, bye, oh. Fanona. Thanks a million for having me. I'm delighted to have you. Something, you sent your bio, you know, for me to do the intro yeah. beforehand, and something struck me in it. And it really kind of, connects to this whole idea of your original ad background and your ability to see food from that lens as well as as well as from the lens of food being so amazing for us and how we really need to think about food in a different way that food is not our enemy which is one of your quotes that I love but you said this idea that I wanted to pursue a little bit which was brands are not just about the story but it's how you tell it and food has been the story of food is being told in a very different way now. Absolutely. Um, I think, first of all, food is one of the most powerful, powerful things that you can possibly control that you put into your body. But I think somewhere along the line, we have gone, well, we've lost our way with it, really. Um, I think it is a marketplace that is very, very flooded with a lot of products that are claiming that they're very, very healthy, but they couldn't really be further from the truth. Like when you talk to people about processed food, people will go Mm. straight to, you know, the junk food, the chocolate, the potato chips, whatever the case may be. And they're right. Of course, that's junk food. But they Mm. never look at the foods that are, are ultra processed, but they may be packaged in a very healthy way. 
So if you're roaming through the supermarket, a lot of the tomato sauces that you see, if you're flipping them around, you're instead of having, you know, tomatoes, water and salt as ingredients, you could have a list of five, six, seven, eight ingredients in there. And they're all food of additives and preservatives. And uh, what are they doing to your body? You know, so I think mm. people are getting sucked into this culture of, oh, I must have something healthy. But the real healthy food aisle is hanging around in the fruits and vegetables. But we just need never mm. see those advertised, which I think is such yeah. a shame. Like good food hasn't changed. It's just we have changed. And our idea of what really good food is has got really, really messed up along the way. And it's affecting us hugely. But do you think it's because of the time that we have that we don't pay attention? Or do you think it's for another reason? I think it's, it's probably a little bit of a mixture of two. But at the end of the day, you got to make time for your health because if you don't, health, mm. you know, sickness will make time for you. So that's kind of the first thing around there. But I think, yes, people are time poor, but what is it, what's the difference being going into the fruits and vegetables and picking up your stuff there versus going into the healthy food aisle and start hosing down on processed protein bars, et cetera? Not all of them, but a lot of them are, are really, really processed. So you're saying that that sometimes when we're picking up something and thinking we're making a choice that's for our health, the fact that we're not turning it around and reading it is actually, it's a trap. Like we're trapping ourselves or kidding ourselves. Absolutely. I think most people try and do the best that they can do, you know, but when mm. I take clients out the first on my program, the first time I will meet them, I'll bring them to the supermarket and I will say, right, let's go shopping as if you're going shopping. And the last lady I had, like she went into the fruit and vegetables and I was thinking, oh, this is great. And she starts putting the celery into the basket, but she's kind of looking at me like a bold child. And I said, do you normally buy celery? She goes, no, we both started laughing. I was like, I don't care what you buy. But I think it is the advertising world is and the marketing world in food companies is so incredibly strong. It's powerful. There's a lead, mean advertising machine behind every single brand. And they are targeting you. They are channeling you. They're doing their job really, really well. So you might think, like, think about cereals for kids. Mom goes through the supermarket. She's got three kids in tow. She's trying to get in and out before anybody has a fit. And the next minute they're cruising down the, the aisles and they see the cereal, which is very nice, the uh, kid cereal, which is very nicely placed right at, um, e- at eye level. And uh, so what is it? It's the actual kids that are looking at the cartoon that's on the box or know that there's a little toy on the box. And they're like, mom, mom, I want that. She yes. knows that there's 50 grams of sugar in it. But the thing is, the kid wants it. And what are you going to do? So what do the advertising guys do? They might put something in good source of vitamin D. But what does that mean? It might mean absolutely nothing. You know, so this, it's the key pop words that are appearing on our packaging that we think and are trained to think, oh, yeah, that's healthy. But we never flip it around and we don't flip it around. Recently, I was going down the supermarket and I actually was picking up bread, a really good brand, just threw the bread behind. And I thought to myself, hmm. And the last time I made bread, it was water, flour and yeast, right? Mm. So what was in the bread? There was 16 ingredients in the bread. Wow. Right? And you're like, oh my God, why do I need 16 ingredients in the bread? 
But it's, you know, it's to do a lot of things. It's to give shelf life enhancement. They're just doing their job. You know, you can't be blaming the food companies. They're doing their job. It's your choice whether you pick that up or not. But nobody's flipping it around. I think our trust as a consumer is so naive that we are absolutely seen as, oh my God, yeah, this is really good for me. Look, it's got lovely wheats, like little nicely illustrated designs of some corn on it or some wheat on it. And you're like, oh my God. Do you think that we're instinctively thinking that they couldn't possibly lie to us if it's healthful? Exactly. Exactly. Like you, like if you look at the healthy food aisles, I mean, I don't, you kind of wonder, well, if this is the healthy food aisle, but what are they selling in the rest of the aisles? <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's, yeah, it is. And I think people need to take the power because there's a terrible disconnect, right? If you look at health industry and you look at where we are right now and the way we are approaching health, we're approaching it where WHO is telling us that 98% of all world health budgets are spent on chronic diseases, right? Which is very, very Mm. startling. On the other hand, then tell us that 80% of heart disease, stroke and type 2 diabetes and 40% of all cancers can be prevented with improvements to diet and lifestyle, right? So there's a gaping gap there. Why don't we believe that? Where's the education? Where's the education? So if, the, if that is the gap, they tell us that that's what the story is. We know what the story is. But where's the education from a very young age, all around food, all around learning about food, label, food labels? And where's the policy and the control on food labels for actual food companies. Where's mm. that? There's there's terrible big holes in that, that, that we should mm. be connecting because it should be about prevention. If all those budgets are being spent on chronic diseases, who's spending what on prevention? It's virtually not there. So we are, so we know what we're doing is wrong. We know that the industry where you've never had so much expertise, we've never had so many fitness. I think that the, the actual figures around the global fitness industry is outrageous. And why? Like there's, and food companies, the healthy food companies, again, in the billions. So they're all mm. doing extremely well. They're healthy with their bank accounts. But why is it, why are we as consumers? What's wrong with us? Can you share the story that you told me about this guy called Ansel Keys? Because it kind of shocked me. I kind of knew it, but you told it to me uh, more specifically recently when we were doing our intro for this uh, yeah. interview. And tell, tell, sh- please share with everyone sure. about Ansel Poor Keys. Sure, poor old Ansel Keys. And odd time people tried to pull him from under the bus, but he's well dead now anyway. But my God, <laughs> does he have a lot to... Uh, and actually, this is a perfect example of what went on. So Ansel Keys was a scientist and it, it all started for him in the late 60s, but he was hired because diabetes, heart disease, um, obesity was just scaling. And this is in the US, was just getting higher and higher. He went off to do his research and allegedly of 22 countries and did 22 countries, came back, went to the government and said, actually, I know what the, what the issue is here. If we, according to my research, if we take fat out of somebody's diet, then all these figures and obesity, heart disease, et cetera, everything will start to come down. So he was in, especially the food companies started to grab onto this. And then from the 80s, right through the 90s, this was absolutely messaged everywhere, 
everywhere. Mm. Oh my God, take the fat out. But what do you do? You take the fat out of a product, you need to replace it with something else, right? So it is another mm. additive, it is another preservative. And then you are in the 90s and there I am in New York. And what happens then? People start only buying these products that are fat-free, so your body isn't getting any fat. And we're hosing down all the refined carbohydrates. So what happens over the next three years? The obesity, heart disease, and type 2 diabetes had escalated beyond control. They started to look at his research and they realized he didn't do, he did, he didn't do the study for 22 countries. He did it for eight. And he was picking out data of where he could to make the, make the case for, oh my God, it's fat. Where the other scientists said, well, absolutely, it wasn't fat. It was actually sugar that should have been taken out of the diet. But at this stage, the entire industry is all around fat-free. And then now we start, we're always five years behind um, as we are in Ireland versus the US. So now that trend starts hitting over to Ireland and we're doing the mm. same thing. So now we think as a society that we should not be eating any fat because that's not the way to health. We should just be eating fat-free, low-fat, wherever we can get it. You also told me something interesting about the brain and the importance of fat to the brain. We need to feed it fat. And it's fat being the omega-3 acids that you're getting in fatty fish, you're getting in avocados, like the good healthy fats, because they're the essential building blocks of our brain. They're so important for learning and for memory. And lack of them will cause brain fog, memory loss, depression. And some studies now are linking them to ADD and other mental issues. You know, so that was one person and it, sorry, because that's kind of shocking to me because that kind of says to me that is that why all of this, these ADHD, all these things are on the increase because of diet? I think diet is probably one of them. There's conflicting studies. There's plenty mm. of studies outside, outside there that are absolutely tying them to diet. But I think it's a lot of things with that. I don't know. I'm not a medical doctor, but they also put screen down to it. They'll, they'll put a lot of varying different things. But diet plays its role without a doubt. You know, I have a friend of mine who's, whose dad is uh, um, his this friend of mine, his mom has Alzheimer's and his dad takes care of him, care, care of her. And he actually decided to remove all processed foods and to cook everything from scratch. He makes his own mayonnaise. So everything is really kind of as healthy as humanly possible. And the Alzheimer's slowed and so did the diabetes slowed. There's so many studies out that linking Alzheimer's and type 2 diabetes, without a doubt. Um, there's in any of the public, uh, the PubMeds, like the medical journals, there are plenty of studies out there that will tell you. I suppose I'll always go to on that. I will always say to people, okay, processed food, as we know it, the junk, the chocolate, et cetera, um, which a bit is not going to harm you too much, but also just be very aware of the power of the food companies and what they're selling in terms of the healthy food or the regular food on the aisles, flip them around. There's hidden sugars and everything. Like if you think mm. of a lot of these products, you know, that what are the side effects? They never list the side effects. So of the 16 ingredients in the bread, they told me the ingredients, right? Um, but they never said the side effects. And the side effects to those ingredients were nausea, bloating, migraine, diarrhea, constipation, and there was something to do with muscle as well. But that, and then if it is clear and then transparent, 
and you still want to go and buy that bread, knock yourself out. That's your choice. Yeah. You know, I don't think the world but, needs someone else preaching to them, telling them what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat. And I don't see that as my role. I see my role as just open your eyes, just take mm. your power back as a consumer. And all that glitters is not gold. But these are really, mm. really serious, serious. I mean, there's a reason why there's such a rise in functional and lifestyle medicine. Because if you think about it, like six, there's over 70 meds, med colleges now, medical colleges in the US that now offer, as part of their medical studies, now offer a year of culinary medicine because they're trying to get people to look as the, at the patient as a whole, not just deal with the disease. Of course, that needs to be done. Nobody's saying otherwise. But there's mm. so many aspects in your life that make up your health. It's not just one thing. And people mm. tend to go, Oh my God, wait, wait for it in January. Now the whole place will, oh my God, I ate too much. I drank too much. So what? You're not going to combust. Do you know what I mean? Just step back mm. from the table a little bit and let's try and do your best rocking on in. But what's the point of berating yourself because you had two bars of chocolate or 32 bars of chocolate? Who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? But they will be yeah. in there in January. Knew you. New me, new body, new whatever. Oh, stop. Will you just And you're like, stop. but I like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and especially around women. Like if I talk to women about health and, I, and I'll include my own friends in this. We talk to women about health. They will go straight to size. Heather, what's the magic bullet? There, there is no magic bullet. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. It is. And the language women use around health. Oh, I was really bad today. I had a square of chocolate. Oh, for God's sake, would you get over yourself? You know, that's not bad. Mm. You didn't kill anybody. You had a bar of chocolate. But you, this is interesting about the bar of chocolate because you've said this to me a few times, that there was, you were going to pick up one of those, uh, you know, those bars you were speaking about and you turned it around and looked at it and went, holy God, like what's in there? And then you turned around the bar of chocolate yeah. and the bar of chocolate had how many ingredients? Three. And the bar had, the health bar had? Up to 42, some of them. <laughs> I mean, that says it all. Yeah. And then and women will say, oh, my God, I'm so bloated. And I'm like, what are you eating? And it's, you can be damn sure that there is no real food going in or very, very little of it. And it's like, well, I have two protein bars in the morning. I'm not knocking all those protein bars before everybody writes to me. Do you know that? Mm. Oh, just my, my messaging here is not all brands are created equal. And there's some yeah. extraordinary health brands out there, without a doubt, but just not very many of them. And we need to take yeah. that control back. But you're absolutely right. Flip over the bar of chocolate. And the thing is even like the way low fat was, and that was the trend. Now you think about protein and that's the trend. And every, you know, dog in the street is eating so much protein. But if you ask people, well, you know, how much protein do you need a day? I don't know. Right. On average, a woman needs about 42 grams. It depends on the woman. It depends if they're working out, their size, their bills. It's a hundred million year reasons. Yeah, yeah. So I have protein powder in the morning and then I have rope. And, and they're telling me all this and they don't even know how much they're supposed to have. So then I'm like, okay, well, what shoes are you eating? Yeah. Well, I had chicken. Okay. So now you're at six times your protein amount <laughs> because, you know, there's 32 grams in a breast of chicken on average. You know, there can be up to, uh, you know, let me say Greek yogurt 
And, you know, 100 Mm. grams of Greek yogurt can be 15 grams of protein. So with your chicken and your yogurt, you're 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 there. Throw in an egg, sure you're not. And what you're doing is you're getting the proper nutrients from the real food, you know, Mm. that goes to your gut. And it's I'm all about the gut. I'm all about gut health, gut brain access. You know, and you're talking about mental health, you're talking about so many other things. And we know medically now that the gut is, um, is, is attached as such, but is linked to the brain. So Explain if, that to me. So if you are not, so there's a vagus nerve that basically runs between the brain and the gut. So you have your gut and all the food that you're eating is going into your gut. If your gut is healthy, good bacteria, you know, really good food is going in there. If it's healthy, it processes the nutrients really, really well. Process the nutrients. And let's say, for example, uh, vitamin C, you're eating an orange. So we know an orange is really, really good for the immune system. So you're eating Mm. an orange, goes into your body, absorbed into, into your gut, and then it starts going around your body and hitting all the areas where the vitamin C needs to hit. And that activates mm. it. So the same thing with all vitamins. But if you're putting in processed food, healthy or otherwise, and I put healthy in quotes there, your, your gut doesn't know what to do with it. And if the side effects from these foods are bloating gas, you're, you're upsetting your gut. That's why IBS is on the rise, like it's just absolutely escalating out of control, you know? And also, so you're in your gut, that's the food element of it, but and that sends messages back up to the brain and all around the body, but it works reverse-wise. So if you're dealing with an awful lot of stress, if you're dealing with anxiousness, anxiety, depression, or whatever, that's going on in your brain, that's sending signals down to your gut. And that's a lot of the time, IBS, sometimes it can just be food intolerances, but a lot of the time it can be caused by the stress, by the anxiety that's going on up in your brain, traveling down the vagus nerves, and then it's affecting you in your gut. And people don't see that because people, all people are thinking about is their health. Oh yeah, I must completely cut out entire food groups out of my diet so I can be a size two, you know? And it's, we need to change that mindset because your, your food nourishes you. It makes your body work. And it doesn't have to be massive big plates of it. It just has to be a varied diet. Exactly, you know, like your grandmother ate, basically. You know, but we're not thinking of it. But the flip side of that, the message I'm getting from you is that food nourishes us, food as medicine, all that good stuff. But the flip side of that is the processed food are, is a toxin. Yes. I would agree. And I'm not really, that, 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 um, quote, food as medicine is definitely thrown around an awful lot. I think there's a mm. context for it. Um, I don't think that food is the answer to everything. I think food for me is all about prevention and all about nourishing. Um, if you're sick, you're sick, you know, and I think mm. that's very important to make that point because some people will say, Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll just eat really good food. Well, actually, no, you're very ill. You need to go to the doctor. You know, I see food as as nourishment. So people do take things like this out of context and then they'll put it in and then it causes waves among media. But I think you have to be very careful with that type of language. Um, But food food is nourishment and it makes you work. But we need to Mm. be, as a society, we're socially wired to think as food as cutting them out. Like when they were cutting all that fat out of their diet, when I see people cutting out massive, you know, all the bees out of their diet. I'm like, okay, if you're cutting all of those out of your diet, 
you're going to have nausea. You could present with nausea, low mood, anxiety from an entire group of vitamins, you know? So come on, like you. And again, that's why I think it's a little bit back to the education. Tell us a little bit about your journey, because we hear a lot about the emergence of health coaches in the industry now, but you've taken, you've gone a bit deeper. So please share with everyone the kind of journey that you've taken, even from how come you moved from the ad industry? Yeah. Why does anyone move from the ad industry? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, age about 100 years. I know my, my career was very good to me in the, in the ad industry and I loved living in the States and I made an awful lot of friends and I really enjoyed it. But it was time for a change. So in 2014, yes, when I moved home back to Ireland, I was like, OK, now is my time to... Um, now is my time to do what I want to do, like really make a choice. So that's why I wanted to study food. And that was fine. Conry down in Ballymaloo, an organic farm, pulling and shaking and dragging. It was amazing. So I got deep into it. But I also, I, was, I wanted to study nutrition, which I did. But during COVID then, I'm like, okay, I want to go really deep on this. Because at this stage, I'd already had a company that was supplying healthy food to gyms. And what I realized is there was such a lack of education around what good Mm. food was. And that was the first thing that really sparked for me. Um, So during COVID, I said, okay, I need more. So in the US, when I studied integrated nutrition, it was um, obviously layers on, more layers on on the nutrition side. But that's when I first started to train in behavioral change and mindset change around food. And that really, really interests me because you can tell somebody, everybody knows they have to eat more fruits and vegetables. Do you mm. know what I mean? But if you tell them the story and how the food nourishes you and you make the story and you also ask them about other aspects of their life, which drives their health. And then, of course, I needed to go further. And this is all COVID's fault for locking me in. Then I decided mm. I wanted to go into culinary medicine. So culinary medicine explores the links about how what you eat and how that makes you feel. So it just went more, you know, just got a little bit deeper. And people always ask me, well, what's the difference between a nutritionist and a nutritional health coach? And I always say, well, we both studied nutrition, but the difference is I'm also trained in behavioral change. So that's what the difference is there, because it can be there's a lot of people in that space. But the health coaches in general, that's my niche, but health coaches in general, you know, they've exploded in the States. You know, they're absolutely, Mm. there's so many on be it uh, Sloan Kettering, Mayo Clinic, within doctor's offices, um, individual people. And they're there to help support, mentor and guide a client on either recovering, you know, and following their doctor's recommendations, or they want to really get their health back in track, not some fad. And they want to really, really work and say, okay, what is sustainable? You know, eating Mm. green veg every single night is not sustainable. It's a miserable way to live. Miserable. Food is one of the greatest joys of your life. And it does way more than nourish people around a table and you're chatting and you're talking. Mm -hmm. That's very powerful. So for me, I'm really on a mission just to kind of bring some common sense back to the table as well, you know, Um, and just not to get sucked into that world of what we should be doing versus what we shouldn't be doing, you know. So I Mm -hmm. think that's really important. But um. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And when you do change that mindset with somebody and they're like, oh, my God, 
like the last client mm-hmm. left my program, she turned around, she goes, you, she had IBS and she was like, you've changed my life. Like, and I was mm-hmm. there, no, you changed your life. Mm-hmm. You know, all you needed was to be educated in what good food is uh, or isn't. And I'm not a purist by any stretch of the imagination. My weight goes up and down. I had an eating disorder as a kid. So I have to be very, very careful with my food. And that's, I think, why I have such an interest in this. And I think it's balance. That's all it is. It's balance. So we'll go for Christmas and we'll have too much to eat. And so what? Mm. So what? You get January, you wake up and you do best. You move. Exercise is key, obviously, and whatever you want. Whatever. Everybody has a type of exercise. It doesn't mean you have to go to the gym 30 times a week. But if you want to, knock yourself out. But... You know, find your exercise, find the food that works for you. And you will find that your brain changes. We know that brain changes when you start eating good food and you nourish yourself, your brain changes. So we need, we need that. Tell me more about the brain changes, because I've heard you talk about, you know, when we're, we're thinking about food and you talked about brain fog, you talked about depression, even share with this, which I think a lot of people will be really interested in is, what is the food that would help our brains? For me, it's good food. It's well, like everybody has their own uh, type of cuisine that they like, right? So knock, knock yourself out there. I suppose my messaging around, I pretty much eat everything, like everything. Um, it is the fresher, the better, you know? Like real food is ingredients, you know? You've never gone in and seen an apple or a piece of celery with an ingredient list. Mm. It doesn't exist. So do you... Like, I mean, do you not, is there specific types of food? You know, the way often when you Google it, it'd be, well, what food will help my brain or what food will help me with whatever it is? Like, is it more that everything has to be balanced or or are there things that can help us? Well, yeah, that's It's a funny question, actually, because part of me was like to just go to, which I will. But it's like, again, do you see the way you ask that question? It's like, What's the thing that's going to make my brain? Yes. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which is naturally, we're all socially wired to do that. You know, it's kind of like, where's the hairdresser that is going to make my hair look amazing? You know, um, brain wise, it's all about the omega-3s. And the omega-3s are in fatty fish, salmon, sardines, walnuts, chia seeds, all that type of thing, avocados. But if you don't have them, you know, that can actually affect your sleep even. You know, so when people talk about poor sleep, you know, I had a guy who said, well, you know, I've taken all the blue lights out of my room. I said, okay, where did you, where did you hear that? She said, on Google. And I'm like, yeah, that can affect people, but it doesn't affect me because we're all different. There's no one size fits all. I could sleep in the flagship store of Vaffin on Madison Avenue and I, or on Fifth Avenue and I wouldn't have any effect on me. I sleep right through the night. But you have to look at the foods that you're eating and how that is affecting your sleep. You know, and it's that, again, there's no one size fits all. So it is then, it's about taking some time and understanding when I eat this, this is how I feel. But when I eat that, I feel this way. And this is how my body reacts to this food. So therefore, I make better choices. Exactly. And that, that is, if that only is, I could do that. Yeah. And it's, it, <laughs> well, it, I can. it is a challenge. It, it is a challenge. But aren't you worth it? 
Oh, there's so many. You're so funny. There's so many ad references. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. Yes. <laughs> Can't tell us. Can't tell us. <laughs> but but it's it's so true. And you know, I see some of the kids in the little gym I go to, and the kids, everybody under 14 is a kid to me. And I see the some of the kids, they're coming out of the gym. Now maybe they worked harder than me. I don't kill myself, that's for sure. And they're slugging down, you know, those drinks to re- replenish their electrolytes. Mm. And I'm like, you know, you haven't even broken a sweat. You haven't run a marathon here. You know, mm. and it costs a fortune and it's full of sugar. Now they're again, not all brands are created equal. But I'm like, have you tried a banana? Because electrolytes are yeah. potassium and magnesium. But they're yeah. so wired. Or, you know, and the other one that throws me over the edge, and I get really upset about this, and this is why I think government need to get involved in this. I see some of the milks in the supermarket and they're they're targeted at, you know, young yeah, teenagers, like athletic teenagers mm. Or young adults, you know, that kind of college area in their early 20s. And it's a protein milk. And I just decided to pick it up the other day to have a look at it. And it was just the ingredients in it. First, the first ingredient was sugar. The second ingredient was fructose. So straight away, their sugar levels are going through the roof. So they might have a bit mm. of protein in it, which is processed. They might have that in it. And then it has the thickeners and the stabilizers. So what are you actually eating there. Like, what is the kid eating? Yeah. You know, and, and it, it's the same with the plant-based milks, which throw me over the edge. Did a plant-based milk review the other day and I looked at a whole pile of them. The worst one was, and they're a litre. I think that's what they are. They're a litre in the carton. There was 2% almonds and the rest was palm oil, vegetable oil, thickeners, stabilizers. That, that was what's in the drink. But you have every kid walking up to a barista can I have a A, B, and C? Do you know? Do you know what you're even drinking? Again, there's a few good brands out there that are really good. How do we change it then, Heather? How do we change it? Because it, for me, listening even, see some stuff. I think something happens when we're in front of all this stuff and looking at all the stuff in the back of a, of a pack, and I think we get overwhelmed because of the amount of information that's required. But actually. If we were calm, we would remember a lot of this stuff. Like, because, you know, when you said it, the banana, I went, oh, yeah, of course, I knew that. Yeah, of course you do. Like, we do know bits of it, but we seem to get overwhelmed really quickly by all of this stuff. Like, how do we, how do we approach that? Because confuse the consumer, doubt is our product. That's oh, ex- you told me this the other day. That's exactly what they're Tell doing. Tell that story. Tell that story. Oh, my God. This is, and it, it is, it is, um... It is really, it is very upsetting, actually, this story. I, I, I can't even, usually I make jokes about most things. This story still really, really upsets me. Um, so it is a very well-known uh, phrase from a tobacco executive, confuse the consumer because doubt is our product. It was the best means to compete with the body of fact. And it's a strategy that actually a lot of industries use nowadays. And there's, a, there's some guy, I can't remember his name, actually wrote a book about this. So what they decided to do was the, the, the tobacco industry, I think it's since the mid 60s, the tobacco industry became very commercial. It wasn't until the late 90s 
that tobacco in that tobacco advertising was actually banned in most countries at this stage. I think they still can have a little bit behind the counter. But in the 70s, Nixon banned tobacco advertising on the radio and on, on TV. But that's not where the audience was at the time, right? The TV had only one channel, whatever, at that stage. All the audience was outdoored in supermarkets, but he was obviously playing a game with the tobacco lobby, lobbyist and the anti-tobacco lobbyist and trying to keep them happy. So it continued. And we have 11 million people that die of tobacco every single year, right? But right. yet it took from the mid 60s until the 90s to ban advertising. You know, and at the final one for the mid 90s, every time they change a policy, when the, when the tobacco industry or the lobbyists kept on, you know, lobbying against the tobacco industry. And every time something changed in the policy, all the media companies, I worked on the media side, all the media companies were alerted. And a very, very famous memo was, is the tobacco industry killing American people? And all the memo is all, you know, blacked out, sharpied out, except for the prepositions. And then at the end of it is the famous quote, confuse the consumer because doubt is our product. And what, what did they, what did these guys do? I mean, they were literally, you know, they were funding skeptics. They started health reassurance campaigns. They ran ads in medical journals. They researched alternative explanations for lung cancer, pollution, asbestos, and even keeping of birds. They did everything they could do to keep the sale of tobacco going. And to the point where the addiction, people, you know, being advertised to, it was still outside schools until the 90s, for God's sake. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And the power of it. But yet, mm. we let it go and, and that's what we get. 11 million people, that's not okay in any shape or form. Mm. And I... Look, do I think it's as serious? Yeah, I will, because I'm on the extreme end of this. I'm just saying, take your power back as a consumer. Because don't yeah. think that everything that is out there for sale is good for you. Because it's not. Mm. What would you like to leave people with, apart from that? And I want I want a positive <laughs> spin on this. Yeah. Is there a good bit of hope you can leave us with, Heather? Yeah, I think one, I think you should eat what you want. That's the first thing. I think that. Yeah, <laughs> I like yeah, that. <laughs> I think yeah. if someone doesn't want to change their health, that's okay. Do you know what I mean? There's no judgment. It is what it is. But I also think that very small changes in diet and lifestyle can be have such an effect on someone's life. You don't have to rock out there and become a marathon runner. Do you know? You need mm. to move in the way that suits you and you need to have mm. a balanced diet most of the time. You know, it's, the, yeah. you know, so you have a glass of wine on a Friday night. Again, you're not going to combust, you know, yeah. not at all. Just tiny, small changes and you eat real food, you know. Well, I, I think that I can get my head around. Yeah. Eat real food and have a balanced diet most of the time. And a, gla that and a glass of wine. easier. <laughs> And a glass of wine, I'll go with that. Yeah. And I think that's easier to take in than the specifics. You know what I mean? I mean, we can do the specifics when we need to, but that feels possible. Absolutely. And just shut yourself out from the noise. And just because someone yeah. at the table told you that you should have this supplement, it's amazing. And I had someone like that recently and I said, look, 
She said, I heard it's fantastic. And I said, I've heard great things as well, but do you need it? Go to your doctor mm. and do your bloods and see if you're deficient in it, other than paying somebody 40 quid for a supplement you don't even know if you need. Yeah. You know, we're just, and we're all the same. Like, there's nobody, like, I'm the same. I am a marketer's dream, can I tell you? You know, it's the same space. It's just eat small, tiny changes. You know, if you're having pizza, yeah. let's say you're having pizza and you're having a pizza and have a green salad with it. Is that the worst in the world? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not at all. I had an interesting conversation in a health food shop recently because I was getting lysine. You know, oh, yeah. you do lysine for for um, cold sores and I'm conscious of being in sea swimming and, you know, just conscious of that it being very cold at the moment. And the lady said, well, you know, you don't have to be on lysine all the time. Why don't you eat more greens yeah. and less nuts? And I went, really? And it then dawned on me that I never actually researched what is it that the lysine is giving me that I'm not getting elsewhere. And if I actually put the right food back in, I wouldn't have to take this stuff. Exactly. And, and, and I agree with that. And you're healthy. I'm healthy, thank God. So, you know, I don't need, I do take one supplement, but I do think if you can fix it with your diet first, that should be the first point to call. First. And then yeah. if you need a supplement, if you go to your doctor and say, well, I still feel like this, he'll give you a supplement or he'll do whatever he needs to do or she will do whatever she needs to do. Um, then that's okay. But always go to the diet first. First of all, it's cheaper, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So interesting. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you so much. Um, I hope I haven't overwhelmed you now. You're like, where's no, the wine? it's really... <laughs> <laughs> well, you've encouraged me to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's you've simplified it and made me brutally aware of some stuff that if we stop being so passive about things, we can actually, you know, your lovely tagline for your business, your food, your choice, your table. I love that. Absolutely. No more preaching. You know what I mean? We don't, the last, the world does not need someone else preaching. It's your choice yeah. and the best, do with the best knowledge that you have and just and watch those labels. <laughs> yeah, cool. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks a million, Take it easy. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Heather and her work, please check out heathermaguire.ie. That's H-E-A-T-H-E-R-M-C-G-U-I-R-E dot I-E. And if you love listening to this podcast, please leave a five-star written review in Apple Podcasts. It helps me understand what's working and encourages others to take a listen, which would mean the world to me. And I'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then... Take care.